Hello, my fellow sovereigns. Get ready to get simple and strategic with your business. If you have been struggling to reach that six-figure marker in your business, then I have brought an amazing guest who is exceptionally skilled at doing what Einstein calls genius, which is making the complex and making it simple. Sometimes our monkey minds can make building a business seem so complex because it seems like there's like 50 billion things that we can be doing. But Deborah Boulanger, the founder of The Great Do-Over and the host of Life After Corporate, brings you a incredibly simple formula to break down how you can make six figures predictable and streamlined in your business. Deb is a coach, author, speaker, retreat leader, and she specifically helps successful women over 40 realize their full life potential. In this interview, we not only break down Deb's 321 formula for predictable six-figure revenue, but also look at how spirituality has played a role in the growth of her business. And that's a point that I think that we all can really grow from and lean into and that you can learn from from this episode because I know for, for myself, my journey as an entrepreneur started first with my journey into personal development before actually being able to hit that six-figure and then multi-six-figure markers. So this episode, I hope, brings you the simplicity to make building your business to six figures, seven figures, and beyond super mother effing simple. And with that, I give you Deborah Boulanger. Welcome to the Princess and the Bee podcast, the place to be to build your empire as queen of your body, business, and life. I'm your host, Kimberly Spencer, founder of crownyourself.com, and I'm an award-winning coach, Amazon best-selling author, and multi-passionate entrepreneur. Each week, I give you the systems, strategies, and success stories to help you master your mindset, communicate with ease, and triple your productivity so you make the income and the impact you deserve. Imagine this podcast as your weekly spark of inspiration as you take it to the next level with all the bees of your life body, business, bank account, boys and babies. Let's make it rain. Hello and welcome back to The Princess and the Bee, helping you with all the bee leaves on becoming the queen bee of your life. Deb, I am so excited to have you on the show with me because you have done some extraordinary things both in corporate and in your coaching business on how you help women entrepreneurs. So I'd love for you to just dive into how did you make that leap from corporate to entrepreneur? Well, it was sort of accidental <laughs> um, what was going on at the time. So I was running a $32 million business unit in corporate with 53 direct reports. And at the same time, um, my marriage was falling apart. I was getting a divorce. And menopause hit me early and hit me like a ton of bricks. And it was like, you know, we need to hit reset here. And it turns out that I got a divorce. I left the company I was working for, launched a coaching business, uh, started working from home and uh, started taking care of me for the first time in like 25 years. So it was an amazing opportunity, but it was no real 
desire to like, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. It's more like my life isn't working the way it is right now. What is that next thing for me? What habits did you see change most drastically in your self-care before the the great... <laughs> Well, it was the great do-over, right? <laughs> the great do-over, and to now the the what you are experiencing, and to now the habits that you have as an entrepreneur. Yeah. So back then, it was a total overhaul. I had a team of people. I call them Team Deb. And it started with my kick-ass therapist. I had a personal trainer. I had a health coach slash nutritionist. Um, really, I was leaving no stone unturned. Um, and then I was also going on extensive silent meditation retreats. So really bumping up the spiritual practice. Mm. And it was on, I think it was that second silent meditation retreat where you can shut your mouth, but you can't shut off your mind, where I was sitting on the meditation cushion. And I got this vision that I was meant to be coaching other women and originally I thought it was other women in, in midlife who needed a great do-over too. And that's where I started. And eventually my business migrated into blending my corporate career as someone who is an expert in product development in the services space, pricing, packaging, messaging, product marketing, and my coaching business. Because what I noticed was that all these other women in these masterminds I was joining had these brilliant ideas, but they really didn't have a business. And I knew how to create a business model from scratch based on something that doesn't exist yet. And I think when that light bulb went on, that's when the great do-over became, we added the launch lab to that. And I started coaching women in midlife, usually, who were ready to launch a business. I think that you brought such an amazing point about that so many women have so many great ideas, but they don't know how to build a business around it. So what are the biggest belief systems that you see standing in the way of women? Is it an education standpoint? Are we just not trained to build a business? Is it a skill set component? Is it the you know the self sabotage, self limiting, limiting, self limiting belief part? What what is the the biggest piece that you see that you need to shift with your clients? You know, I think it's a little bit all of the above. Some of my clients are over educated in entrepreneurship. They've taken too many courses. They've drunk the Kool-Aid on, you know, do this group program and, and make, make money in your sleep. And they, they're frustrated and they're doubting themselves because it didn't work the way that coach or teacher explained to them that it would. So I think part of it is mindset and realizing that you don't know what you don't know and not to make sure, I always like to say, make sure there's water in the pool before you dive in. You know, and I think too many just trust the process and just think, oh, I've got this course now. Let me just buy some Facebook ads. Let me just market it. And if I build it, they will come. And then there's this huge disappointment that, oh, I built it, but no one did come. You know, maybe I'm not good enough. And so I think that fosters all of the doubts and insecurities when, in effect, it's just that you probably had a good idea. 
you didn't test it out before you invested in building out the services and the marketing to sell it. Mm. And what is the biggest piece that most women miss when it comes to testing? Because what I've seen is I've seen so many women when they think of the concept of testing that suddenly that test, especially when it fails, turns into an identity crisis. Yeah. So I think before you build anything, you just start having conversations with real humans and you find out what is the gap in the marketplace that other people are missing. What is the problem that needs solving that I can get excited about and I have the skills to solve and I, that stirs up my passion for doing something with meaning? And um, where are those people? And what is it that they really want? And what, what would be the outcome for them? What would be, that be worth to them? How would that change their, their lives or their business or the outcomes that they're experiencing right now? and making sure that you have demand before you build supply. It's really super simple. But in that process of being curious on what people think and what they really need, you get to uncover all of these hidden gems that no one else is paying attention to. And that's how you stand out as a market leader by solving a new problem or solving it in a new way or even just positioning yourself differently than everyone else in your category. When someone's looking at positioning and branding, especially when it comes to pricing, how do those two correlate? I'd love to hear your, your insight on that one. Because I, I know when so many coaches start into the business, they're like, I mean, I, I was guilty of this too. When I first started coaching, doing body image and wellness coaching, I was charging a hundred bucks a month for four sessions out of my car. Once I got a skill set acquired of learning NLP, timeline therapy and hypnosis, once I created a process, then I had a sellable process that I was very comfortable with and I raised my prices to 2000. And it's it's been onwards and upwards since then testing price points on how high I can go. But when it comes to new entrepreneurs, new coaches, new consultants, what is a strategy for pricing that you have found really works? Well, I'll start by what doesn't work, because I think that's equally informative. And most of the time we get caught up or new, especially women entrepreneurs get caught up in what is my time worth? And, um, you know, and then charging yep. by the hour. And even if you're not charging by the hour, your mental math is kind of like doing the the multiplication of what is an hour of my time worth. And the truth is no one is buying your time. You know, your time in and of itself has no value. It's the outcome that you deliver. The other place that women get tripped up is um, being over empathetic in the pricing process and getting all wrapped up in what you believe people can afford as opposed mm. to what the value of investment is for that person. And I think the third place, and I, I blame the coaching academies for perpetuating this, is what will the market bear? You know, what is the competition charging? I've even heard people graduate from accredited coaching academies who recommend that you start at $150 an hour. And, you know, with, with thoughts like that, you'll you'll be living in your car, not just delivering services in your car. Yeah. And it goes back to that hour, that employee mentality of hours for dollars versus and true entrepreneur mentality, which means that 
sometimes the less you work at, actually the more you can make, like your time and money are not correlated and both can be exponentially increased. I mean, you can't, we only have 24 hours in the day, but we don't have to correlate the amount of money to that 24 hours. Right. And so number one is how you price your services. Number two is how you organize your business model for leverage, right? So on the pricing piece, it's pricing based on this term I came up with called return on advantage or ROA. And uh, when you think about what the return on advantage is for your ideal client, like what is their beginning state? What's their end state after they work with you? How does that impact their lives physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially? And what is the value of that over time to them? So even if you're, let's just take the example of a career coach who's helping someone make a job transition, either get a promotion internally or apply for another job and coaching them to add self-advocate, right? So to ask for more, there's a hard dollar return in that negotiation process, learning how to advocate and negotiate for yourself, then there's the value of that money over time. But what's really priceless is the value of that confidence. Mm. And now that woman in her next situation where she's negotiating for a bonus or the next position or a sign on that she has the confidence to, to ask for more. So I think when we take it out of our own head, and this is where all your great mindset work comes in and put it in terms of what the client values, then number one, you get out of your own head and, and you're already focused on the client, but also it'll help you align behind a higher value proposition when, when quoting higher fees. Mm, yeah. And it's when you're quoting those higher fees, I, I know that for example, one of my clients, she had invested 30000 to work with me. And she, through the course of our coaching in just a few short months, she developed a program that made it launching easy, effortless, sold like hotcakes, doubled her previous month, had a $200,000 month just from this one piece alone, which is a huge ROA and an ROI on the investment that she had put in. Right. And so it's a testament to, I think one of the things that holds up those new coaches, especially is because if they haven't produced those results yet, necessarily, they don't yet have the confidence in their own skill set and in their own services to be able to say, oh, I know I can produce, you know, a $100,000 a month for my client or even, you know, give them an extra $5,000 a month based on the services that I provide. How do you navigate when you come against those doubts when it's a newer coach who mm -hmm. doesn't quite know if their services will actually pay off based on their experience? Yeah, and I'm a huge fan of being fully transparent with your clients and saying, hey, this is new. I'm launching it for the very first time. And because I'm launching it for the first time, you're going to get some preferential pricing. This will never be available at this price again. And in exchange, 
I am looking for you to give me feedback on what needs to be improved, what you need next, and uh, having a great experience and committing to the experience because at the end, I want a great testimonial from you. Mm -hmm. And so I think when you first get started, it's only natural. And we even did this in the corporate world with clients who were helping us develop a new service offering for the very first time. And we would say, you're our partners in development. You know, we're going to build this together based on your requirements. There's something hugely valuable there to the people who you're, are your very first adopters. And what I've found is when you take that approach, not only do you serve them well because you've built it around their needs, but then they tend to re-up, they tend to bring their friends. And so that's the most important thing in the product development process. And that's what most of these online coaching programs and, and group programs and course creators don't teach you is that you don't build it and then sell it. You build it while you sell it first and then you build it with your ideal clients for the very first time. Yeah. You're working backwards instead of, I, I like to look at it from this time perspective to circle back on the, the concept of time. If let's say it takes you three to six months to build out your course, you've built the product before you've even tested it. And I just read the most amazing uh, quote, and I forget who who said it, but I will leave it in the comments and in the description. He said that every business plan basically goes out the window as soon as, as, soon as your product meets the customer, because right. then the pl whole plan of how you develop to market it and launch it, if the customer's not buying, if the customer doesn't react well to it, you're, you're screwed out of three to six months of your time versus yeah. and all that money and all the money that you invested into into the process and into building it versus building it with your initial customers and clients, which also builds that stronger form of community. Yeah, it does. And it brings ownership to not only you to deliver on your services, but for the client to be an active participant because they now have ownership in a way of the end result of the product, which is very yeah, exciting 100%, for them. 100%. And by the way, that this is the basic process for product development that will serve you throughout your entire journey of building out that client value ladder. I've always built a product with my ideal clients. And um, the Launch Lab was one that I built in 2018, I think 2017, 18, I think 2016, I was coaching people one-on-one -on -one and I started repeating myself over and over again. It was annoying. I didn't want to be <laughs> teaching the same thing to individual people. So I decided to record those trainings and then just invited all my one-on-one -on -one clients into a group setting so that they could meet each other and we could have conversations and mastermind. And that became the launch lab. And then I began building out the modules. You just have to be one week ahead of your ideal clients, you know, build out your orientation in module one. And based on where they are at the end of that, build out the second one and so on. I haven't had to adjust that program in the last five years. I built it once and I've sold it many, many, many times. And that's such a, a testament to your strategy of, and the thought process also, the mindset of that entrepreneur, because so often the 
the solopreneur struggle happens when you build something, do something, and it could be a repeatable task that you could either use and repurpose and sell or use and that or do and then delegate to someone else once you teach them how to do it. But if you aren't documenting that journey along the way, that's when you come into those repeated constant things that you're like, I, I thought I shared this with that client. Oh, no, wait, mm -hmm. that was client. That was the other client. It was, it's the same dang lesson. Same is true with building out a team. It's like, oh, I, I thought I already taught so-and-so how to do that. And oh, no, I, I didn't record it. So now I have to do it again. And so it's that continuation process of looking at those exponential returns that you can get for the amount of time that you are spending. And so I know that you mentioned earlier on that sitting on a meditation pillow and having those that spiritual space really served you in creating your company. How has your spirituality and your connection with God, source, universe, whatever it is that you label it to be, grown as you've developed and grown your company? I think it's evolved and it has taken different shapes. So in those early days, I was very connected to my uh, Buddhist meditation center, going every year, just diving into some of the teachings. And then it kind of became more law of attraction focused and consuming a lot of uh, Bob Proctor and Abraham Hicks and learning about my power of manifestation and um, then diving into things like the gene keys and, and all of this um, metaphysical stuff or resources, I should say. And then because this entrepreneurial journey will just kick up all your stuff. <laughs> it certainly will. <laughs> so there were, there were stones that weren't being turned over in those processes, which I felt needed you know, stronger guidance. And a couple of years ago, I was invited to speak at a retreat for black women ministers. And it was by a friend of mine. And, and I said, well, would you, what do you think I'm going to share here that that could be helpful? She said, I want you to talk about entrepreneurship. And I realized that being a minister in a church was very much like being an entrepreneur. You know, you still had to market, get your audience in the door, keep them engaged, keep them donating to causes and to keep the church alive. And in that process, I was re-exposed to God. And so I had been a Christian, a born again Christian when I was like 15. I think that saved me from some, some hairy, hairy uh, situations uh, when I was a teenager. But um, now looking at it and knowing that I'm called to do what I'm doing, we have such a distorted view of who we are, who we really are, you know, spirit in human form, however you want to describe it. And we've taken on all these burdens and all this baggage from our personal experience, and none of it's true. Um, so any mindset issues come from false beliefs that you've been taught along the way or that were reinforced in you somehow. And so at this stage in my life, um, in my um, sixth decade, it's a matter of letting go and being willing to be guided and trust and have faith that um, everything's going to work out and that you don't have to worry about cash flow 
just show up. If as long as I'm living in alignment with what I'm called to do, I'm living in my purpose and I'm a good business person, you know, that doesn't go out the window when you get into alignment and you start manifesting and putting um, spiritual tools into place. Yeah, I you think still spiritual... got to be a bit of a steward for your money. <laughs> exactly. I mean, the spiritual tools serve to make you a better business person in that you're getting your personality constructs out of the way. And so whatever holds you back, if it's imposter syndrome or I'm not good enough or indecision, procrastination, perfectionism, confusion, all of those mind states that keep you from, from really being who you are and calling forth the people that need to see you, then that's where trust and faith and spirituality come into my life right now. And I think you pointed out such a beautiful belief system that I, I've told many a client to borrow. I said, just borrow my belief system and your ability to figure something out. And I like to equate this to like, I've, I've now have the blessing of watching my second son learn how to walk and see how he's figuring out the process and see like those moments of when he's like that has that confident look in his eye and he's like i'm gonna do it i'm gonna take a step and then you know he takes a step and then he falls on his butt and that but that ability of trusting that you will figure it out and because you're trusting in that ability and because your environment is also predominantly um people walking around on two legs it's normal and so how important is it especially with what you've created with like the launch lab and your business and with your, your clients, how important is it to surround yourself in an environment and how do you get into those environments with people who are already doing what, what it is that you want to be doing? Yeah, uh, that's such a great question. And choosing your coach and your, your mastermind circle or the people you surround yourself with is one of the most precious decisions that you'll make in your career as an entrepreneur every single year. Um, so whether I, I stick with the coach that I'm with, it's really looking at someone, looking for someone in the market who is modeling what I want and who is also in alignment with my values and is expressing those values. So, um, and who is already, you know, two, five, 10 steps ahead of me and can show me the path. And I think that's, um, you're not meant to muscle through this journey on your own. You're meant to have guides and Sherpas along the way and uh, choosing your coach really carefully based on um, her past experience, based on where she is right now, based on her unique knowledge is super important. And being in a room where you're not the smartest one in the room. You know, I want to be in a room with people who are more successful than I am or at least equally as successful as I am. I am super smart. I contribute greatly in the mastermind communities that I'm in. And I don't say that with arrogance. I've just learned a lot along the way and I'm happy to share it. I want to be in a room with other people who also know a lot and they're happy to share it. Mm, so true. And I think that comes to removing your ego out of the process because literally in the last mastermind that i just joined a few months ago i i said i want to i said i don't want this to come from arrogance but i really don't want to be the smartest person in the room and <laughs> the uh, the sales rep for the mastermind was like oh you won't be <laughs> and so at the summit that i was at with my mastermind i was like oh i'm really not like <laughs> these people have done far 
bigger things than I have yet to this point. And recognizing that by day two, I was crying to my husband. I was like, I have massive imposter syndrome. How did I get into this group? And he's like, you're in there for a reason. Remember, that's where you were called. And so I now know the reasons as to why I was called and how I can contribute and how I can serve the people who are a part of that community using my unique gifts and skill sets. But it's that piece of like being able to be humble enough to recognize where you need growth and courageous enough to take that bold leap to get into that group and community. I think one of the challenges that sometimes it that seems like can seem like a catch 22 to many business owners is some of those communities have qualifiers of like you have to have made a certain amount in order to be inside the community but you know you need to be inside the community to surround yourself with people who make that normal so how do you start to navigate into that space with um qualifications so that you can get into those spaces that you want to get into Hey there, my fellow sovereigns. I hope you are having as much fun listening to this interview as I had recording it. And if you're listening to this interview and you're like, I could do that. I could be on podcasts like The Princess and the Bee, like the podcasts that you know and love, then I would absolutely 1000% say, you're right. You should be on more podcasts. This is exactly why we have created our Communication Queens guest podcasting agency. We don't just book you on podcasts. We book you on podcasts that have a targeted audience that you can leverage those podcast appearances into becoming your ideal clients and customers for your business using our seven-step proven and tested framework that has brought in over $110,000 in new business revenue in just the past year. For both myself and my communication queens, guest podcasting has been the most fun, easy, effortless form of lead generation that allows us to access that zone of genius. And as you know, if you've been an avid listener to this podcast, I have seen a direct correlation between the amount of money a business makes and the amount of time the business owner, aka you, is spending in their zone of genius. So if speaking, sharing your story, serving with your tips and tricks, and giving that advice that you're so skilled at giving has always been that sort of effortless flow that just comes through you, then guest podcasting can be one of the greatest lead generation assets for you. And my Communication Queens agency wants to show you how and support you in getting those bookings so that you get on the right podcast with the right audience, with the right message, and you get the right clients coming into your business. Book a discovery call down below and let's see how we can get you profiting from guest podcasting. Yeah. So that gets into what I started dialing in, which was making revenue growth predictable in my business. So I know you and I share the belief that it's you do less to make more. And when I dialed in that formula, that marketing strategy that was really working for me and converting, um, then I easily got to the point where I would be admitted into those, those communities. But even when, before you do, you need to be in a community of where you are, you know? So after the launch lab, which is really for people who are, who are just getting started or in their first year, when they graduated, they were like, Deb, this was great. You know, now I'm starting to make money. What do I do now? 
And then it became the six-figure accelerator where we could make six-figure revenue growth predictable in your business. And you could add six figures to your top line year after year, and it could be reliable. And so that's, um, you know, that's kind of what you need to do is be in a group where you need to grow to so that you can get to this level. And then, of course, when you go up levels, you're going up your investment <laughs> in those circles as well. So I have, um, I just do this mental math. I'm curious if you do too, Kimberly. Um, 10%, you know, I feel like 10% of my top line revenue gets reinvested back into me and, um, you know, gets invested into my coaching program or whoever I decide to align with as my coach. Yeah, I've, I've seen that with 10%. And not only do I do that in my own business, but I've also seen that just consistently with those who have invested it with me in the, as, as a coach, that typically it's about 10% of what they have either made in their corporate career or what they um, have, have or are making in their business to then grow to that next level. And that yeah, that ten percent seems a, to be like the sweet spot of of just investing um, and looking at you know that's almost like in in a way to just go back to a spiritual principle that is something that's biblical. It's like ten percent yeah. of tithing. Why not also go into that investment back into yourself and with what you're building and with what you're creating and birthing to create a, a beautiful world? Yeah, absolutely. And I use the metric both ways too. When I price my services, I look at, will I be able to deliver a 10x return on my clients for investing in this program? Yeah. And will I be able to, to grow them to that level and have that 10x? Like, and 10x return is not just like a financial level as well. Because I mean, there are certain things like when one of my clients reconnected with her estranged child who she had kind of disconnected with since her divorce, you can't put a price tag on that. And yet, like that, that's a 10x return. And I like another one of my clients when she, you know, she grew her, her, her business financially substantially. But when we started working with her relationship with her son, she said, Kim, I know you've helped me so much in my business. But if, if you can help me change this dynamic in this relationship, like, beyond a return on investment and yeah. that those are like those are the stories that just fuel my soul when it's like because i mean for me as a mom like that just that that gets me in the feels oh um, yeah when you're able to to have the that rekindling of the a, a connection with your child that mm. sometimes can get lost as as we grow and learn and mature and they grow and learn and mature and have their own opinions and egos that you got to navigate through. So looking at at that growth journey, what is the point in which you know that you meet your clients? What do you mean by that? When they are on their growth journey, where is that space where they're at where they already know that you're the right coach for them? Oh, oh, oh. Um, yeah, typically um, after the initial enthusiasm wears off and it's like, oh crap, what have I done here? <laughs> you 
you know, how do I get new clients? You know, so it's all bright, shiny with the website and the LLC and the branding consultant and the logo and, and all of that. And now it's like, what? I have to go get business. How do I get business? <laughs> you know, um, what technology do I need? And so that's why I, I like to create short, simple programs when people first get started, because what we're looking for is early momentum. We want, we want some quick wins. And so when I launched the standout webinars program, it was when the pandemic first hit. And people were saying, oh, my God, how am I going to get clients? Because, you know, all the speaking engagements have dried up. And I started teaching people how to use webinars to connect with their audience and convert new clients and make it reliable and repeatable. And so those were some quick wins. And then people were in standout webinars and saying, what's next? And then we developed a six-figure accelerator. Well, how do you get an entire lead funnel? Were the other ways that you could launch your service offerings besides webinars? How do you get good at sales conversations and sales conversions? And how do you increase your influence as an expert in the networks that you participate in? And then how do you add to and build on that product portfolio? So it was just a natural next step for people on their journey for what they needed. And so, and I know this works with you as well, that some of my clients have been with me for, for over two years. And it's such a pleasure because we get to know them on that deep level and, you know, I become obsessed. I fall in love with my clients. You know, I'm thinking about you all the time. I see something interesting. I'm going to text you on a weekend. You know, gee, look at this. This is fascinating. You could do something similar. You and I both, we love our clients profusely. And I think that something in the coaching industry that I have seen that for me, I'm not 100% a fan of because I think that there's a big difference between loving your clients and having a codependent coaching relationship. Mm -hmm. And so where do you draw those boundaries on that that could or in other or that you've seen with other coaches or your clients that that boundary gets kind of wishy-washy yeah i haven't seen it so much with my clients because i'm truly i truly want them to move on i mean they yeah, should same have, here. <laughs> yeah they should outgrow me you yeah. know if if we're doing the right things they should outgrow me but um yeah so i Yes, I have seen it in my past and it's where the client is so insecure and hasn't been able for one reason or another to overcome that, that eventually you just have to, it's like a fledgling bird. You just have to kick them out of the nest because you're not really serving them um, any longer and they need to either go fly in their own uh, or they need to work with someone else. Completely. I, I, one of our mutual friends, Megan Huber, um, said this uh, years ago, and I, I was watching one of her uh, live streams that she did, and she said, sometimes people who want to have these big aspirational money goals that they're like, I'm going to make a million dollars in this year. And it's totally possible. And yet sometimes the level of person, their own personal level of personal development is not to that level yet. And so being able to have the self-awareness to discern, am I still dealing with personal development insecurities? Because like you said, business brings up all of our stuff that I need to work on before going and working with this business coach. Or do I need to like, is it really the time? Is it fully aligned for me to dive in? 
Absolutely. And I believe as business coaches, um, we need to align with other experts who we trust as um, trusted partners so that I can make referrals. I don't intend, nor do I want to be all things to all people. I have my favorite branding experts. I have my favorite mindset experts. I have my favorite um, group program development experts, you know, mentioning Megan. Um, And so it's my pleasure to bring these people on in front of my clients to highlight them as experts and my clients work with them. And I think that's great because then they're getting a well-rounded business education and um, aren't totally reliant on me for their success. And it, it's, that also takes so much pressure off of, uh, off of us as coaches too, of like, I am not the be all and end all. <laughs> Here are all these other services. Like one of my, uh, one of my, actually two of my clients, I referred to a Zoom specialist where she's just like, her specialty is just fixing that Zoom box. So you show up looking amazing. And uh, Shelly Golden, and she she was awesome. But the, like the ability to delegate out those areas that are not your zone of genius. Like I'm very clear on where mine is. And mine is like 100% in the business mindset of, of developing that and recognizing patterns in my client. Looking at how and where can I delegate the other areas that are not my specialty and know that, you know, where that line is. And I think that that takes a a level of maturation as a coach as well to be able to discern that. Yeah, hundred percent. So I would love Deb, since I know that all of my listeners are going to be begging for this question, because you've already hinted at making six figures predictable multiple times. What is your secret? Making six figures reliable requires that you dial in your value proposition. So you know exactly what your value is. You have the right foundational offer and you're consistent in your own behavior in doing what works. So there might be some trial and error. There might be some new skills building that you need to learn And lately I'm obsessed with Julia Child because my grandmother was obsessed with Julia Child. I grew up with Sunday dinners with beef bourguignon and coquevin and and all of that. You need to learn the basic foundational structure and master that before you start being creative. So Mm -hmm. um, what I tell my clients is three speaking engagements a month, two high converting lead magnets to build your list and one piece of high value content that you share with your followers, your network, your mailing list every single week. I made six-figure revenue growth predictable through that one formula. I teach it to my clients. Six-figure revenue growth becomes predictable for them. Now, we're also dialing in your pricing. We're dialing in your products and all of that. It's really about your mindset and your own behavior on making six-figure growth predictable. And if you have a foundational core offer with a great client value ladder, if you're skilled in making offers to people in an authentic way, not pitching your services, not feeling sleazy selling, but um, authentically being you and extending an open hand for people to join you, and uh, you are managing your time, you're managing your mindset and showing up as a CEO, it's inevitable. 
It is. It is inevitable. And I can definitely say that the year I hit six figures in my business, I was doing all of that and I didn't even know it. But that that formula of the speaking engagements, of the consistency with content, uh, and having that dialed in offer is essential. And when you do, it's I, like, I love that you broke down that formula into being so simple because that's so many people get tripped up on the how thinking, oh, well, now how do I get booked and how do I, how do I do this? Well, there are courses and people that you can work with like Deb, like myself that, that can guide you in certain places on figuring out the how. The key is though, it's that mindset piece of that predictability and that consistency. And for me, the consistency is such a, a spiritual concept in a way, which is why I love merging business with spirituality because it's that consistency of that trust that the universe has got your back. You just got to keep showing up and doing your part and yeah. keep making offers. And <laughs> guaranteed, my clients are always surprised when I'm like, you know, there, there is a ratio. You make, you, you make more offers, you're probably going to make more money. <laughs> it's, it's not rocket scientists, but we as humans are so skilled at complicating things that aren't complicated. So I love your simple process. I hope everyone out there was taking notes on that process. Um, Deb, could you repeat it once for the cheap seats in the back? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Three, two, one three speaking engagements every single month on other people's platforms and maybe one on your own. So you want to get in front of new audiences and uh, two high converting lead magnets, two, two pieces of content that are of high value that everyone wants. And I will give you two before we leave today and one piece of high value content every single week. So whether that's a podcast, a blog, a vlog, um, or uh, a long form post on LinkedIn or a LinkedIn newsletter, whatever that is to your audience that you're consistent because consistency wins hands down every single time. Amen. So what are you most excited for, for the future of female entrepreneurs? I'm excited about the choice is that you get to choose how you get paid and you get to choose without sacrifice that there's this misconception that if you leave the corporate world, you'll be sacrificing your paycheck. And while there will be a ramp up time, you won't immediately, especially if you're senior level leader, your mid six figures, that's not going to happen overnight. If you're in the B2B space, it happens more quickly. If you're in the B2C space, sometimes there's a longer ramp up, but you will replace that corporate paycheck. You will have more freedom. You will be able to make an impact. There is no glass ceiling on this side. It's uh, all up to you uh, to break through anything that you're carrying with you or, or put it down and leave it for someone else to pick up and just uh, just do it. So powerful. And just uh, one strategy point, because on your three, two, one offer um, for consistent growth, I just want to make sure that is this, does this apply to all price ranges of offers or is it specifically more for high ticket that you see this working for high ticket coaching consulting? Um, or is there a sweet spot with price range? 
I don't think so. I mean, if I were doing a low end offer, so if I had a membership program, let's mm -hmm. just do something low end, I would do the exact same strategy. Um, I would start there. You know, you might put together a multi-day launch in there somewhere. If you wanted to get a bunch of people, you might put some paid traffic behind it. Um, but not until you're absolutely sure that you've nailed the value proposition, the ideal client and all of that good stuff. But if you do three speaking engagements and um, you have a decent sized audience, so that's what you want to make sure of is that you're reaching a decent sized audience in those speaking engagements. Mm -hmm. And then that way you can grow and scale it. So I just wanted to see for price points because I know that sometimes price can be a that hot button issue that we already touched on. So uh, Deb, I have loved this conversation and I think what you bring to the table for female entrepreneurs starting their businesses for coaches and consultants is so valuable. And I would love to know if you are ready to dive in to a little bit of rapid fire with me. Sure, sure. Go for it. <laughs> Who is your favorite female character in a book or a movie and why? Well, it's recent. I'm going to say Dorothy Parker, simply because recently uh, she came up in conversation and I watched the movie uh, Mrs. Parker and the Vicious Circle. So Dorothy Parker was a writer in the 1920s. She was one of the only female writers um, in, in New York. And uh, she was one of the founders of the writers around the Algonquin Round Table. And there was some very famous male writers there as well. And I just loved her independent spirit, her wittiness and her way with words. I have not seen nor heard of that movie and I now need to go watch that immediately. <laughs> <laughs> what woman would you want to trade places with dead or alive? Obviously, if she were dead, it was back when she was alive just for a day to be in her body, see how she thought, experience the world, how she experienced it. That's very interesting. And I guess um, it would be Brene Brown. I would just love to know everything that Brene knows through all of it because I geek out on research and I love that she does too. And she has such a wealth of wisdom that is readily available. I would switch places with Brene for a day. Awesome. If you were to have your success at twice the speed, what is the one thing that you would do differently? Success at twice the speed, um, I would have made the leap sooner. What is your morning routine to support a fantastic day? My morning routine includes at least two oat milk cappuccinos, <laughs> um, time with my journal, time in devotion and time in meditation. And on alternate days, it's a real good sweaty workout with my personal trainer. <laughs> nice. And what is your evening routine to support you having a fantastic morning? Because it always applies. It always applies. It means eating light and clean and um, going easy on the wine. Yep, that's a big one. I'm currently doing 75 hard. And so, holy crow, <laughs> you go, girl. That yeah, is hard. It's, it's been fun. It's been bringing up a lot. But the, the wine was one thing that I was like, oh, this is oh. an interesting attachment that I didn't realize that I had. And, and so it's allowed me to reevaluate some beliefs. And I'm very, very excited for it. So lastly, what is your queendom? 
my queendom is in the kitchen. It is just my happy place. You know, it's again, at the end of my day, how I wind down is getting in the kitchen, chopping vegetables, preparing food, um, just kind of zoning out on the meditation of putting together great ingredients that um, produce a delicious result. I made a frittata over the weekend for a friend's late lunch. And it was the most beautiful friggin' frittata I've ever seen in my life. And it was so tasty. I mean, the way I layered the vegetables and designed them and the way I cooked it just so, I really have never made a frittata that beautiful before. Oh, gorgeous. I am not a cook, but my husband is a chef. And so I admire those who who are epic in the kitchen because I enjoy the tastes and flavors and appearance of it. But uh, <laughs> that is not my zone of genius. It's definitely my queendom. No one enters the kitchen when I'm in it. It's like definitely my domain. That's that's my husband's rule, basically. <laughs> in our family, I, I do not enter that kitchen when he is in it. Nope. Uh, and lastly, how do you crown yourself? I crown myself just by being fully present every day. It's like waking up. The first thing you need to do is like put on the crown. It's like, this is a new day. You know, whether you listen to Abraham Hicks morning rampage or whether you recite a prayer, it's like your, your crown goes on the moment you step out of bed for me. Amen. That's wise, wise words. Deborah. I am the queen of reliable revenue, but <laughs> just claim it. <laughs> I'm claiming it. I'm the queen of reliable revenue. And that, that, that crown goes on every single morning before I go out of, get out of bed. Awesome. Deb, how do we work with you? How do we find you? How do we hire you as our coach? Plug yourself, queen. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, on the pricing, if you'd like to get your pricing dialed in and reverse engineer that revenue goal in a real simple way, we have a pricing calculator and that's at the great slash pricing. That's great D O O V E R.com slash pricing. And we also have a six figure growth guide. If you'd really like to dive into the geekiness of how to make six figure revenue growth predictable that is six, the number six figuregrowth.com uh, will send you to the guide and it will step you through a lot of analysis and coming up with some metrics so that you get some clarity on what you need to be offering and how you need to be marketing yourself to make that growth predictable. As a numbers nerd, I think he, on this podcast, you may have delivered my two favorite freebie options ever. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Oh, so please go to those resources. And if you're not a numbers nerd like me, you may grow to become one once you see the possibility that lies in the data when you go and use those resources. So please go check and them out. And tune into my podcast. And yes, I was blessed to be a guest on Deb's podcast. So it's it's fantastic. And I don't yes. say that with any life bias, after so. corporate. So lifeaftercorporate.com and also on all uh, available players and your interview will be airing soon as well. Maybe we'll just double, double team this, this podcast launch, but um, yeah, great to have conversations with folks there who are interested in growing and a sustainable and reliable business. Fabulous, Deb. 
As always, my fellow sovereigns, own your throne, mind your business, because your reign is now. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If what you heard resonated with you, be sure to subscribe and share your breakthroughs and ahas with me by leaving a review on iTunes so I can keep the magic flowing your way. And if you aren't already following us on social media, come experience the extra inspiration and queenly convos on Instagram at crown yourself now or visit our website at crownyourself.com. I am so excited to connect with you in the next episode. And in the meantime, go out there and create a body, business, and life that rules.